Bless you all. It is certainly, certainly, certainly an honor and a privilege to be with you. Um, this will be my sixth weekend service, if you will. Friday night and Saturday I met with our leaders, and there were over 100 leaders we met with and poured into, and then three services on Sunday. And uh, as I woke up this morning, I said, what in God's name was I thinking about <laughs> when I agreed to do this? <laughs> but I'm very glad to be here with you. I have a passion to see young people in ministry, a passion. I started in ministry let me put it this way. I got saved at 14 years old, and part of that's going to be in my message. Uh, I got saved on my way home from church. And I got saved on the street. The long and short is uh, the missionary who led me to the Lord told me not to follow her, but to go back to my home church, and I would win young people. Today, those young people are missionaries and pastors and bishops and they're just doing things all around the world. They came from Cabrini Green. Are you familiar with that area? I was from Cabrini Green. But God has taken the least of them and has impacted this city and abroad. And so I have a passion to see young people in ministry. And so it is that that I've come with today. So I'm very excited about what Pastor Joe is doing here. I'm very excited. When he told me the median age of this church, I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so um, I'm very happy to uh, to see you. David, you lost a little weight there, Doc. <laughs> I didn't know you. <laughs> Amen. Well, very quickly, I want to get right to the message. Open your Bibles to Romans 15. We're going to look at one verse of Scripture, verse 19. And this is also a passion for me, as you will find while I preach this message. I'm very concerned with where the Pentecostal church is heading. I'm very concerned that we have adopted as our heroes men and women who have emulated us and got the icing but not the cake. And so while their ministries appear to be thriving, in truth, they have emulated Pentecost without receiving the Pentecostal experience. And so what has happened is our young people are imitating people who are who were imitating us or imitating Pentecostals without being Pentecostal. So it's very important to me to see young people get and hold on to a Pentecostal experience. I don't like Quasar Church. I don't like coming in and getting out. There's got to be some real life Jesus because he's the only one that can change your life. It's not my word. It's his word. It's not my power. It's his power. And we need to be not only exposed but saturated in the power of God. So I want to talk to you today about the power of the Holy Ghost as a lifestyle. Power of the Holy Ghost is a lifestyle. I'm going to be reading from the Living Bible. I know you have different translations. It says here, I have won them by my message and by the good way I've lived before them and by the miracles done through me as signs from God, all by the Holy Spirit's power. In this way, I have preached the full gospel of Christ. Can I use a full gospel? There are two separate and distinct works 
of the Holy Spirit. The first is the new birth. The second is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The new birth we know is new life in Christ. It comes as a result of God's grace in response to our faith. Through the new birth, we receive forgiveness of sins. We receive a new nature that gives us a desire now to reject reject sin, to obey God, to live a holy life, to love other believers, and to no longer love the world. In John 1.12, we see the first work of the Holy Spirit in operation. It says, but as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. Y'all can help me. (laughs) Become the sons of God. That word power is exousia. It means the right or the privilege. And so the early believers, or the disciples in this case, were given power. They were given this exousia. They were given the privilege to become the sons of God. And that's an awesome privilege. Secondly, they were given the right to leave godly lives where they had been slaves before. Now they have been given rights to, to live godly and overcoming lives. And now they also had, in addition, authority to refuse to be slaves of sin. But they still had not been filled or baptized in the Holy Ghost. With this new birth, every believer is giving the indwelling Christ. For the Bible says, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So every believer has, if you will, a measure of Christ. Christ lives in every believer, but it is the will of God that you just not have the spirit, but that you be filled with the spirit. Amen. It's a difference in in having a pitcher of water that has water in it and a full pitcher of water. You know, uh, uh, of course, the more you have, the more you're controlled by it. I'll get into that later. (laughs) So to substantiate this statement, since I'm talking to scholars, I want to emphasize three truths regarding the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number one, one of Jesus' main goals or the main goal of his ministry was to baptize his people in the Holy Spirit. Main goal. We, when, when John began, um, I'm sorry, when John the Baptist began preaching about the coming of Jesus, we read it in all four Gospels. We see it in Matthew 3.11, Mark 1 and 8, Luke 3.16, and John 1.33, that the work of the Messiah would be to fill or to baptize his followers with the Holy Ghost, a baptism that would empower them to be effective witnesses for him. And so in Mark 1 and 8, we see I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Some says and with the Holy Ghost and fire. Somebody said with the Holy Ghost and power. But the whole point was he is going to fill you with power. Secondly, Jesus did not begin to minister until he himself had been anointed and filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, Bible scholars. Can I get a good amen? That's all right. Y'all take your notes. Take the notes so you can preach this message better than I do later on. We know that Jesus was 100% God and 100% man at the same time. So as, as God, he didn't need the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit was him. But as a man, 
He needed to rely and depend on the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish his mission because there was no other way he could come to earth and get it done without the power of God. Flesh couldn't do it. Knowledge couldn't do it. He needed power to deal with power. Are you getting this? So after he's baptized, he's filled with the Holy Ghost. You know how it goes. Jesus was in the River Jordan. and He got baptized and the Spirit of God spoke and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And, and we saw the sign of the dove. And then over in Luke 4, it says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And we know there he was tempted of the devil for 40 days. But it says in verse 14, and Jesus returned now in the power of the Spirit. I gotta stop right there. It's not enough to be full of the Spirit. You gotta have the power of the Spirit. And it is the temptations and the stresses of life that causes power to emerge in your life. You think you know God, but after you go through a few things, that's when you really know Him. And so here, Jesus, the Son of God, was led by the Spirit of God to go into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil and to emerge triumphantly so now he would walk in the power of the Spirit. And it says, him returning in the power of the Spirit went into Galilee and there went out a fame of him throughout all the regions about. Why was there a fame? Because they knew that there was something different on him than anybody else. I shared with our church yesterday, it's not about who you are. It's not about you. It's about what's on you. It's about what's in you. Hallelujah. And so we see, after receiving the power of the Holy Ghost, Jesus makes an announcement. Jesus makes a declaration. He says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has anointed me, or because he has anointed me, to preach, to heal, to open spiritual eyes, to proclaim liberty. I love this. To proclaim, just to say, you set free. To proclaim liberty from sin, from fear, from guilt, from doubt, from anything the devil would put on you. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to get it off of you. Hallelujah. And so from that point on, after acknowledging the power of God on his life, can I stop right there? One of the reasons we've got a bunch of weak, mamby-pamby Christians is they don't realize what they have. And they don't confess what they have. And when you begin to declare it, you'll begin to walk in it. So I've come to tell you, I didn't just come to teach a lesson today. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he's anointed me to impart some good things to you. After acknowledging the anointing of God on his life, he immediately, can I hear you say immediately? He immediately starts a fight with the devil. Immediately, in the same chapter, he goes and starts casting out devils with power and with authority to confirm that this ministry is genuine. See, you can talk all you want. You can give me your exegesis. You can give me your hermeneutics. You can give me your homiletics. But after you get through with all of that, where is the power? There's got to be some power. And so Jesus goes and he casts out devils. For this purpose was the Son of Man, uh, man manifested, that he might destroy the works of the enemy. He didn't come to teach a good Sunday school lesson. He didn't come to just get a bunch of folks in church. 
excuse me, we're in Chicago. He came to kick some devil butt. I might not be able to say that in Springfield, but I can say that here. Y'all know about kicking butt. <laughs> Y'all know about somebody catching a case. <laughs> and that's what Jesus did. He came to put the devil in check. Came to kick him some devil butt. And from that time forward, he consistently and persistently preaches the word, heals the sick, casts out devils through the power, through the anointing, through the authority of the Holy Ghost. So, the main goal of Jesus' ministry was to baptize his followers with the Holy Ghost. Secondly, Jesus did not begin his ministry until he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And thirdly, Jesus instructed his disciples not to begin ministry until they're baptized in the Holy Ghost and endued with power from on high. Y'all getting this? So in Luke 24, Jesus gave the same disciples a command and a promise that would not only give them the privilege, not only give them right, not only give them authority, but give them an endowment of power. You need more than the right. You need more than the privilege. You need the power. So in Luke 24, he says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Acts 1 and 8. Come on. Our cardinal verse. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. You ain't going to try to be witnesses. You're going to be a witness. If you don't say nothing, there's a witness on the inside of you. Hmm. But I want you to understand the word power in this or in these verses is different from the word power in John 1 and 12. John 1, 12, the word was exousia. In Luke 24, 49, and Acts 1 and 8, the power, word power is dunamis. It is the word we get dynamite from. It means inherent power capable of reproducing itself. You'll understand the implication in a moment. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead would now enable the, the disciples to do the same work that he did. The same power, inherent power, capable of reproducing itself. And so in Acts 2 and 4, they received that power. And within 24 hours, Acts 2.41 tells us that 3,000 sinners were converted, baptized, and added to the church. In an hour. Some churches don't see it in their whole existence. But in an hour, these same weak disciples. Can I talk about the disciples for a moment? I ain't hating. I'm just telling you. I don't know if I would have picked some of them guys. <laughs> Straight up losers. <laughs> but he took weak, failing men. And gave them the power of God. And in less than 24 hours, 3,000 people received that message. Got baptized 
and was added to the church. What happened? What happened is simple. They had dunamis power added to their exousia. They now had dunamis that made their exousia effective. In other words, now they had inherent capable power added to their right and privilege. Y'all getting this? So this is the crux of the message. Too many people are trying to separate the work of God from their lifestyle. We view this as church. We view this as life. The crux of the message is the purpose for the Holy Spirit in your life is to give you a lifestyle of power. Lifestyle of power. Every day. With tennis shoes on. With no shoes on. Not just 11 o'clock or whatever time your morning worship starts. But a lifestyle of power. Can I hear you say lifestyle? More than speaking in tongues. More than singing and dancing. We're talking about power that reproduces itself. You don't have to make it work. You don't have to hit the generator. <laughs> it, it works all by itself. Power that reproduces itself. Power that gives you holy boldness. Power that reproduces the character of God in your life. Power that transforms sinners into saints. Powers that results in signs and wonders and healing and miracles. Power that impacts whole communities and whole cities. Power that reproduces faith, not in men, but in the power of God. The Holy Ghost, the power of the Holy Ghost as a lifestyle. And so throughout the book of Acts, we see the power of the Holy Ghost not as events, not as isolated incidents, but as a lifestyle. Everywhere we read in Acts, we find the power of the Holy Ghost reproducing people of God, reproducing the character of God, reproducing the power of God, and reproducing results that cause others to know that that was God. Come on, we need some services where God comes in and everybody sitting there says, I know that was God. Amen. Not questioning, is, is that God? <laughs> but where they know that it's God, that God is sovereign, that his kingdom is here and now, that his power has been manifested in the earth to defeat the power of the enemy. So we see in Acts 4.31, they were all filled and what? Spake with boldness. In Acts 5.28, they filled all Jerusalem with the doctrine of Jesus Christ. In Acts 8 and 8, in Samaria there was great joy. In Acts, and wait a minute, in Samaria, y'all know about the Samaritans. Y'all don't know about the Samaritans. Old Samaritans, that was that off-brand. They weren't, they weren't real Jews. They were half-breeds. But in Samaria, in Samaria now, there was great joy. Because the power of the Holy Ghost doesn't know culture. Amen. It doesn't know color. I love to, to, to challenge people when they talk about the way black folks worship. You let the power of the Holy Ghost get on a white person, he's going to do the same thing. We ain't the only ones quaking and shaking and falling out. And it ain't cultural. <laughs> AG had me fooled until I went over to Kiev 
you know, over, I'm not talking about our fellowship, but I'm just telling you, you know, everybody's so sedate and polished and prim. And if God comes in, you might get this. And if he really comes in, you but that's about the extent of it. No, I went over there to the Ukraine and I saw grandmamas that were like 60, 70 years old with babushkas on running around the church speaking in tongues. Are you getting this? Doing the same stuff we've been doing for years. So it's not a cultural thing. Y'all better get this thing right. It's a Bible thing. If it's any culture, it's Bible culture. In Acts 13.44, at Antioch, the whole city was gathered to hear the word of God. Think about that. At Philippi, the whole city was stirred. Acts 17.6, at Thessalonica, people said that they, the disciples, had turned the whole world upside down. Talking about impact. And the good news is, we have that same power. We have that dunamis of the Holy Ghost not as an event, not something that happens once, but as a lifestyle. Come on. Mark sixteen seventeen. y'all know it. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The power of the Holy Ghost as a lifestyle. A lifestyle that confirms that this gospel is genuine. A lifestyle that confirms that the kingdom of God has come in word and power. A lifestyle that confirms that Jesus is Lord. He's risen from the dead. He's alive and well. And he's working through the church to destroy the power of the enemy. Give me a good amen in here. I feel like preaching now. Hallelujah. And that same power is available today. When was the last time you heard a message on the power of the Holy Ghost? Well, maybe here you do. But in many places, you never hear it. In many places, you never see people spending time using their prayer language. In many places, listen, that same power is available today. And that's why I have a passion for young people to reach your generation, not with technology, because technology is going to change. Thank God for the technology. I mean, without it, I wouldn't be able to speak with a mic. But come on. The church is bigger than technology. The church is bigger than quips and, and sayings and slogans. It's about power. We've got to operate in the power of God and make sure that we, we, we reach the next generation. I may not be able to reach them, but you got to reach your generation, not with just some words, but with the power of God. Hallelujah. That same power is available today. It's the same power that was available to Jesus. Acts 10.38. I love this verse. How God anointed Jesus. With the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing and, 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 I'm sorry, doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. I love that. If God anointed Jesus, then he needs to anoint me. Hallelujah. See, God anointed Jesus and he went about Doing good. Let's talk about that. It's not just about having a shando in your belly. You got to do good. 
You got to do some right things. There needs to be some compassion. Because when Jesus saw the suffering of people, he was moved with compassion to do something about it. So we can't just be sitting up in church uh, laying hands on each other, spitting on each other, and knocking each other down. We got to take that power to the world and let them see us doing good. God anointed him. He did good. He healed not some, but all that were oppressed of the devil. Why? Because God was with him. You know, there's been this debate in the church for a long time. Are all healed? I say yes. Because you're going to be healed one way or the other if you're saved. You'll be healed on this side or on the other side. Amen. What if I pray for them and they don't get healed? That ain't my business. My responsibility is to pray and believe. And there are a whole lot of dynamics in that. It could be sin in their lives. It could be the lack of faith. It could be a whole lot of things. But that's not for me to determine. My responsibility is to pray and let God do the work. And not feel like I'm in the wrong if he doesn't do it. Because everybody didn't get healed immediately. Some got healed that same self-same hour. Meaning that their healing was progressive. Are you getting this? Jesus didn't just preach, teach, heal, cast out devils on occasion. You know, he didn't just have, this is the casting out devil service. (laughs) We preach on Sunday morning, but Sunday night, we kick the devil's butt. No. This was a lifestyle for him. Everywhere he went. On the lake. In the house. At the well. At a wedding. And after the funeral. (laughs) This was his lifestyle. Everywhere he went, the power of God was manifested. Everywhere he went, the power of the enemy was broken. Everywhere he went, he was doing good. He was preaching the good news. He was healing all that were oppressed. Everywhere he went, he left no room for there to be questions whether or not God was with him. It was clear. It was evident because there's no way he could do what he did unless God be with him. What did Nicodemus say? He said, no man can do this. Except God be with him. And that's what the power of God is in our lives for. It's not about us. It's all about him. Him being glorified. And us believing him to use us as vessels. It was that power, that dunamis of the Holy Ghost that enabled Jesus, the son of man, to accomplish his mission. Revealing the power of God. Reproducing the, I'm sorry, Yes, revealing the power of God, reproducing the character of God, and reproducing men and women of God. It's the same power that was available to Paul. Over in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, Paul says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you, listen, this is Paul saying, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. In other words, Paul was saying, I had reason to be afraid. I was weak. I was trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing or persuasive words 
of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Wow. I want you to get this. Future church planters. Corinth was a wealthy commerce center. It was the leading center of Greece. It was a population of mixed cultures. Roman, Greek, Oriental, Jewish. It was an, ex- it was an intellectual city. City of great knowledge in that day. It was a sinful city. Noted for everything that was depraved. Its very name meant to practice fornication. But Paul went into Corinth all by himself. He didn't have a team. He didn't have a wife. He didn't have supporters. He went in there all by himself. His host and hostesses, those who let him stay, live with him, were unsaved. But he begins preaching the gospel single-handedly. And more than that, this is the part that that blows me away. He goes in there by himself, and as educated as he was, he handicapped himself. He didn't use the excellence of speech or wisdom. In other words, he could have talked proper. You know, he could have used the all the educational nuances of the day, but he didn't do that. He didn't use excellency of speech. He didn't use excellency of wisdom. He didn't try to become friendly with the mayor and the governor and the alderman. He didn't try to become friendly with the opposition. He wasn't trying to be seeker sensitive. (laughs) And I know I would have a problem for those of you the seeker sensitive that may be watching this. (laughs) He, He didn't use all those techniques is the point. No. He didn't even attempt to be successful in the eyes of men. Hey, Paul, who are you? Oh, man, I I got it going on. I'm the richest tent maker around here. (laughs) You know, I generate a million a year. Uh -uh. He simply preached the gospel, lived a holy life, did good works, allowed the anointing of God within him to perform healing and signs and wonders and miracles, and he succeeded. After handicapping himself, one and a half years later, Paul left a church in Corinth full of the Holy Ghost and with power. Now, you may argue, hey, it was a carnal bunch. It was a bunch. You know, you got to catch fish before you clean them up. He had a church a year and a half later full of the Holy Ghost. Gifts of the Spirit in operation. Come on and talk to me. Everything of that day had to bow. Greek intellectualism had to bow. Sensuality had to bow. Jewish pride had to bow. Every other negative influence had to bow to the lordship of Jesus Christ because of the demonstration of power, of dunamis, of inherent power that's capable of reproducing itself, reproducing the power of God and reproducing the people of God and reproducing the character of God and reproducing faith in the power of God. Everywhere he went, he saw results. Everywhere. The demonstrations of the miracle working power of the Holy Ghost wrought changes not only in the individuals, but in whole cities as well. And through the power of the Holy Ghost, 
Paul established spirit-filled churches not only in Corinth, but everywhere from the Middle East to the east of Europe. It's the same power that was available to Jesus, the same power that was available to Paul, the same power that was available to me. Fourteen years old, I was raised in my grandmother's church, Baptist church. But on my way home one day, there was a Pentecostal missionary outside. She had on a choir robe, a Christ is the answer button, and a bullhorn in her hand. She was preaching to the people in the projects of Cabrini Green. I had never seen anybody stand outside in a choir robe before. That caught my attention. Why is this woman out here in a choir robe? So I walked up, and it's been almost 40 years now, but I remember the message today. She said something like, listen at me, you black folks. (laughs) Now that'll catch your attention. (laughs) She said, you believed in George Washington, but you've never seen him. You believed in Abraham Lincoln, but you've never seen him. She said, well, I'm here to tell you about the King of Kings. And she began to talk about Jesus. And she began to talk about what he could do in your life and how he would transform your life. And she began to talk about repentance. All my life I have been in church, I never heard about repentance. I didn't know I had to repent of my sins. I thought because I was in church, I was good. But she began to talk about repentance. And she began to talk about the power of the Holy Ghost. And she began to talk, I realized I did not have what this woman was talking about. And so I came forward that day. On a black top in Cabrini Green. And that day God changed my life. 14 years old. I wanted to follow this woman. I wanted to be her disciple if you will. And she told me no. You go back to that church you came from. And if you will go back and be a witness. You will win them. I went back. There was a change in my life. Now I was still under her tutelage. But I didn't join her church. If you understand what I'm saying. I went back. And before long, the young people in our church who were just like me, good people, we just didn't know the word of God. We were ignorant to the word of God. We were ignorant to the power of God. Before long, they began to see the difference in my life. and I didn't have to start a Bible class. They would follow me home. And we would sit around and have something to eat. And before you know it, we were opening the Bible. And before long, those young people got saved. And after they got saved, they took it home and their parents got saved. Then I got filled with the Holy Ghost in a Baptist church speaking in tongues. And they got filled with the Holy Ghost in a Baptist church speaking in tongues. And their parents got filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. And I got kicked out of the church. That was a good thing. Today, some of those same young people are members of my church. Today, some of those young people are pastors. Some of them are on the mission field. Today, they're all over. 
And they're doing the same thing I was doing, the same thing Paul was doing, the same thing that Jesus did. Why? Because it is dunamis. It is inherent power capable of reproducing itself. You don't have to learn it in a class. All you got to do is get it and it will work on you. It'll work in America. It'll work in South America. It'll work in Africa. It'll work in Cabrini Green. It'll work in Humble Park. It'll work in Chicago. It'll work in Springfield. It'll work wherever you take it because it is the dunamis. It's the power of the Holy Ghost that changes lives. That same power has gone with me to Africa where I saw instant miracles take place. I was blessed to speak to a crowd. I, I, I think it was 50,000 people. All I know is a whole lot of Africans. We went down and got in the midst of those people Beloved, the reason we're not seeing this kind of stuff in America is we don't have the same kind of hunger. We got Tylenol and Midol and Advil. All those people have is a hope in God. I didn't have to lay hands on them. They laid my hands on them. I was preaching at a meeting. While I was preaching, they decided when it was time for the altar call, I was still preaching. They're like, enough of that. <laughs> Lay hands on me. They took my hands, they laid it on them, and they fell out all by themselves. And when they got up, they had testimonies of healing. Blinded eyes open. I'm not telling you what I did. I'm telling you what the power of the Holy Ghost did because I didn't even know it. People who, who were paralyzed could now move because of the power of the Holy Ghost as a lifestyle. It's that same power that's available to you. Acts 2.38 Repent and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Romans fifteen nineteen, where we started. Paul said, I've won them by my message and by the good way I've lived before them and by miracles done through me and signs from God, all by the Holy Spirit's power. In this way, I preached the full gospel of Christ. Beloved, it's not the full gospel if it doesn't include power. I want to give you an opportunity, I guess. Uh, Pastor, I need your, your, your direction here. I don't know if, if this is class time to ask and answer questions or if this is time to, to pray. I don't know. What you do? Then that's what I'll do. I am subject to you. This is your house, and I want to honor you. Amen. Those of you that desire prayer.